0: Right. Hey, good morning, everybody. Let's make our way back to our seats. It's good to see you guys today. Okay, okay. All right. Um, okay. Everybody good? Yeah. Everybody good? Well, wow, how about that worship this morning, huh? Just phenomenal. Just phenomenal. I realize a few of those songs you might not have heard before if you're younger. Um <laughs> But those are some of the songs that uh i tell you that that i cut my teeth on falling in love with jesus and uh some some songs i know are old uh but some songs still carry a weight to them you know what i mean they still carry that that punch and and that touch and especially the i love that song uh uh, my wife had she preached last week on mother's day didn't she do a great job last week uh on she preached the message on my first love if you missed that Uh, You will do yourself a huge favor in serving Jesus if you'll go back and listen to that message. I'm for real. I'm not just piping it up. It was stellar. (laughs) It was solid. It was healthy. And it was just good for us to be reminded of that kind of thing. But one of the songs she referenced at the end was one we sang this morning, Oh Lord, You Are Beautiful. And we didn't get to that part in in that chorus part. But he said, I want to take your word and shine it all around. But first, help me just to live it, Lord. And when I'm doing well, help me to never seek a crown. For my reward is giving glory to you. I love that. That alone right there will preach a whole message right there. But, you know, songs like that and over the course of centuries that have been birthed in, in, the, in, in the Christian world of, of Christendom, of our faith, they came because the Holy Spirit inspired those things. And that's what I want to talk to you about today on this day. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, it's a day we celebrate and remember. And uh, it's significant for us. Um, exactly seven weeks ago, 50 days ago, we celebrated Passover, Easter weekend. Uh, that signifies the day, the time frame that Jesus Christ was came to do what he came to do, to give his life as a ransom for many, to die on the cross for the world's sins. He was buried in a borrowed tomb for three days, and on that third day, thank God, he raised him from the dead. He got up, he was resurrected, and because of that, we have a life that can go from down to up. Amen? And anytime you ever find yourself in the pit of life, just remember Jesus was called out of it, and he did that to call us out of it. And it's never meant to keep us there. He is always calling us upward and onward with Him. And but Pentecost Sunday, it's in Pentecost itself. Was it's not really? It's not about being a denomination or religion. It's about relationship in the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what heaven has for us, what God the Father and God the Son has for us through God the Holy Spirit. And it was more than a historical moment, more than just a festival as it was celebrated in the days of old and throughout the Old Testament. It's really on that day that God decided, that's the day I'm going to give birth to my church, to the body of Christ. And it was on that day, the day of Pentecost, that the church was birthed and God went from being a God who dwelt among us to a God who lives inside of us where it's not just an external thing about God, but he becomes internal on the inside of the soul of humanity. And so the sights and sounds of heaven appeared that day in Acts chapter 2, and the the church was birthed, the church was launched, and as we go on to read in Acts chapter 2, over uh, 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus, they were baptized, and the church was formed, and they began having problems. They began arguing about who was, getting, who was going to get fed, when were they going to get their food, were we going to get out on time. You know, all the kind of stuff you and I deal with today. But you begin to see from Acts 2 on throughout the entire New Testament, as the different writers, Paul predominantly wrote uh, the majority of the New Testament. <clears throat> but you begin to see the work of the Holy Spirit, really you begin to see the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to zero in on today, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit let's take a look at our main text today in John chapter 15 and also in 2nd Corinthians chapter 13 John chapter 15 verse 1 says I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more do you get that he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned, he said, and purified by the message I have given you. Verse 4 remain in me. Everyone say, remain in me. Remain, remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Say it again, remain in me. Verse 5, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. And anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. That, I don't want that to be me. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. In verse 8, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Let's look over at 2 Corinthians 13, verse 11. This is the The Apostle Paul has written and he's he's closing it out. And he says, Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful. Grow to maturity. Encourage each other. Live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. If we could just do those things. Greet each other with Christian love, other translations may say with a kiss. Got to be careful with that these days. All of God's people here send you their greetings, verse 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let's pray. Fathers, we open your word, the bread of life, we come to feast on it and taste it and to see how good you are, but not just so we can walk away and say, hmm, that was pretty good, but so that what we ate can change us, so that what we consume will work its way through our life and begin to bring about the transformation to bring forth Christ in us, the hope of glory. We give you our time now, our attention, our hearts, our thoughts, the meditations of all of us now. We come to your table to eat and to feast on what you're serving. Help me, O God, your servant, to be a vessel of honor, to deliver it well, to serve your people well today in love. We honor you and we thank you now in Jesus' name. If you desire that, you can say amen. 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 The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. One of the core values of our church, we have six that are listed on our website, and we teach these and and some of our new membership uh, processes. But the fourth value is not necessarily in this particular order. It's called We call it uh, Holy Spirit filled. And this is what it says on our, on our site for this value. It says we value the filling of the Holy Spirit. Not for doctrinal sake. But for destiny's sake. We are open to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. To fill us fresh daily. We need him to guide us. Empower us inspire us and produce in us God's character and God's love so that we can be his witnesses in this earth. You know, that's that's just the value of our church. It's a value because it's one that shapes us, forms us, and helps drive us and keeps us in the right lane, so to speak. You know, values are important and we we all have values whether we list them out or know them all at the top of our head or not, but we all are shaped by some kind of value. It's about what we believe and it's something you believe, then you you hold dear to it, and we hold dear to that here in our church. But not necessarily to form some kind of denomination or religion out of our church, but to really develop a greater fullness and awareness of of God, the Holy Spirit, working in our life. Amen. And so, here um, at this this particular part, Jesus is speaking here in John fifteen, just to kind of give it a little bit of context. These are some of his last words that he speaks to his disciples. John records them, and it's laid out, laid out in chapter and verse here in the Bible, John 14, 15, 16, and 17, is this conversation, this last conversation, if you will, with his disciples. It's a very intimate time, very personal time. It's a time where he's given him, given the disciples some final thoughts, some final words. And then Paul, to the Corinthian church, is giving out some final thoughts in his letter to them. And it's interesting that both of these kind of end with the same kind of idea. And the idea is really about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And so, just kind of time frame and time lapse of what's happening here. This is on the eve of Jesus' one of his worst days of his life. This is his worst time on earth. He knows what's happening. The next day, he's going to be arrested. He's going to be betrayed. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be abandoned by a lot of his close followers. He's going to be insulted. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be mocked. And he's going to go to Calvary. He's going to walk the hill called the Skull with a cross. And he's going to die for the world. And he has this conversation with his disciples. And he knows for his life, it's about to get real tough. It's about to get real hard. And he's having this conversation with his disciples. And one of the greatest things, one of the most important things he's trying to stress to get across to them here in John 15. Is he says, look, I am the vine and you are the branches. And here's what I want you to remember and carry with you always is this, is remain in me. Remain in me. Other translations might say, abide with me. Remain in me. Abide with me. Uh, sojourn with me. It's a word we don't really use in our vernacular these days. But walk with me and travel with me and tarry with me. It's the implication of the, of the meaning of, of what Jesus is trying to get across here to his disciples. in one of his darkest moments of life, and he's his final word, his farewell address, if you will, to his disciples and to us. He's saying, look, if there's anything you can get, this is what I need you to get. You need to stay connected to me. You need to stay plugged into me. And he said, and he goes on and he goes on to expound. And he breaks down this conversation. He starts it actually in chapter 14. We're going to just look at a few of these verses here as we, as we move along. But he says, if you will abide with me and you will remain with me and you will stay connected with me and to me and I to you, then here's what's going to happen. Your life will produce the right kind of fruit. Your life will be productive. In other words, your life will count, your life will matter, and what happens in your life will flourish for the kingdom of God. In essence, he's saying, because he has been his message all along has been about the the the, in, the coming in of God's kingdom in our life. And he said, if you'll connect with me, remain with me, walk with me, travel with me, tarry with me, all the the fruit of, of life will flow through you. But he said, Apart from me, unplugged, disconnected, separated from me, your life will be nothing. That's a pretty I don't know, If we ask the question this way, do you want your life to count, to matter, to be productive? Pretty much everybody's going to say, yes, I want my life to matter. I want my life to be significant. I want my life uh, to be productive. But there's, there's a godly productivity that is different from worldly productivity. And it's all about who you're connected to. And Jesus said, remain in me and you will produce much fruit. And he said, actually, you will be my true disciples if you produce much fruit. In other words, God wants our life to be productive. He wants our life to count. He wants our life to be lit up with him. That's what he wants. And, and to do that, he says, then you've got to stay connected with me. You've got to remain with me. You've got to walk with me. And so they've been traveling together. They've been doing life together for about three years now, these disciples and Jesus. And they've seen quite a few things happen. They've seen the dead come back to life. They've seen people who were demon-possessed have those things cast out. They've seen people who were... God-awful, sick, just be healed. I mean, all types of powerful, mighty, miraculous things were taking place. Uh, They've seen uh, people who were caught in the acts of sin and immorality be turned around and loved and forgiven and sent on a new journey and a new path, separated from sin and alive in Jesus. They've seen all these different things take place. and, And here's what he's saying, my final thoughts remain in me. But it's built around this right here. It's built around the context of what he calls in some scriptures says the advocate, the word there is Paraclete in the Greek, which means the helper, the Holy Spirit. So let's take a glance at these words or at these scriptures and answer the question, how then how can I remain in Jesus? How do I remain in him? How does my life have productivity? How does my life fulfill its purpose? John 14, he has these these thoughts and he, he gives this promise. John 14, 1 3 he says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? He said, When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. In other words, he's setting them up and he's saying, Look, I'm about to leave. You're not going to like it, but I'm about to leave. You don't understand it, but I'm about to leave. But it's a good thing that I go. And where I'm going, I'm going to make some room for you in my father's house. Plenty of room for all of you. And he said, and when it's time, when your time is up, I will come back to get you and you will come and be there with me. Okay? He's just reminding us. and But he starts out first. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Let's carry on. John 14, 16. He said, I will ask the father... And he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. That's good right there. He will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. That's who he's talking about. He is the Holy Spirit, the advocate, who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. All right? Later will be in you. John 5, verse 26. Yeah, but then when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Uh, Chapter 15, verse 26, 27. I will send the advocate, again, all in his context of conversation, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. Alright, you see what's happening? Chapter 16. says, I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. But instead you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, It was the right thing, because if I don't, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. So he's telling his disciples this. And when he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Verse 33. He says, I have told you all this, again, he's reminding them, so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So Jesus in this conversation of telling his disciples, teaching them, I'm the vine, you are the branches, stay connected, remain in me and you will produce much fruit and it will be shown, you will be my true disciples if you produce much fruit and you will give glory to God. This whole thing started all the way back in Genesis when God took the time and the forethought to create man and woman in his image. And he, and he created them, and he breathed life into them, and he told them, Hey, I'm giving you purpose. Be fruitful and multiply. Subdue the earth. Govern this earth. Rule this earth. Have dominion over this earth. And tend to the things that I've called you to tend to. And do what I've called you to do. In other words, I have come to give you purpose. You were born with purpose. And Jesus is reminding his disciples in this conversation, Look, you're not going to be left alone. I'm about to leave. It's about to get dark for me. But soon, very soon, the light will come and things will change. And you will begin to see. He said, he starts out, don't let your hearts be troubled. And then he ends there in in, 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 uh, 1633. He says, I told you all this so you can have peace in me. And on this earth, you'll have many troubles. And in the middle of that, he tells them, he says, I'm telling you all this because I don't want you to abandon your faith. I mean, all that is, that's kind of the stuff we like to hear. That we need to be reminded of. I I don't want your heart to be troubled. You're about to go through some stuff, but it's going to be all right. you got a life to live, but you got a purpose. I don't want your heart to be troubled. you got a life to live. Look, I don't want you to abandon your faith. Because where I'm going, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And I'm coming back to call you home at whatever day and time that might be for you. He said, I don't want you to abandon your faith. And I'm telling you all this because I, I want you to have peace in me. You can trust me, he's saying. Jesus said, you can trust me said, so I want you to have peace. And he said, you're going you're to have trials and you're going to have sorrows in this life. But take heart because I have overcome the world. He hasn't even gone to the cross yet. And he hadn't even been raised from the dead yet. But he was already knowing what was going to happen. He knew if he could just hang in there. If he could just dig deep. If he could just muster courage and faith and push through the way he was feeling. And the resistance that was coming against him. He knew that in just a few days he would be resurrected. And he knew... That there's a time frame involved that as he told his disciples, I promise you, if you will trust me, if you will wait and you will tarry and you will walk with me, and you will remain with me, then you're going to get what you really need. I'm not going to be here in the flesh and blood like you've known me. Instead, you're going to get the advocate, the helper, the Holy Spirit who's going to live on the inside of you. And there are some things that will take place when that happens. So he brought this promise and then he brings the reminder post-resurrection in, chapter, in Luke chapter 24 is what he tells his disciples. He says, And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Acts 1, he reminds them again. He says, During the 40 days after he suffered, Luke is writing this. Uh, wrote the book of Acts. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, Jesus, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. He proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God, just reminding them of what their purpose is all about. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, hey, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but just in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he's having this context and this conversation in John 15, sandwiched by chapter 14, 16 and 17. And it's all about remain in me and you remain in me because of what's coming. You're able to live your life, you're able to fulfill your purpose, you won't abandon your faith, you'll overcome your trials, you'll walk through your sorrows. Grief will attack you and attach itself to you, but it will not be who you are because the advocate, the helper, is coming. And you see that in Acts chapter 2 verse 1 through 4, look at it real quick says, this is what happened on the day of Pentecost. All believers were meeting together in one place, about 120 of them. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And then looked what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages or other tongues. As some scripture says, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So the day of Pentecost happened like that. It was loud, and it was weird in a way, because they hadn't really seen anything like this, all right? This kind of thing, this particular scenario doesn't show up in other parts of the New Testament other than the gifts of the Spirit and they come into play, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. But it says, the Holy Spirit came in, rushed in like a mighty windstorm. What looked like flames of fire appeared on each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Life changed for them. In essence, what happened was life changed. The church was birthed. They were no longer looking to God as someone who was among them, but now God was living inside of them. There was this inward change that took place. And so you begin to read throughout the New Testament, you begin to see... Uh, a variety of different uh, scenarios and situations where the Holy Spirit is manifest on the earth, and and you really, it really you boil down the Holy Spirit's describe. Jesus used the word Paraclete, Parakletos, which he, the advocate, where he says he's the comforter, he's the counselor, he's the encourager, he's the helper. And in all of that, the Holy Spirit comes to bring strength and stability and ability to your life. Ultimately, the ability to be a witness for Jesus. Don't forget, you get saved, you get your sins forgiven. Jesus is making a place for you. He'll come back at whatever given time that might be. And he'll take you home. But that's not all there is. You read the rest of the New Testament, you read the rest of Acts just alone, that in of itself. It's filled with wonderful stories, life stories, real things that happened that God, the Holy Spirit, did through the life of his people. Not superstars, all right? They wouldn't be, you know, handing out signatures and and signing autographs after church. Look what Paul did today. Woo, let me sign that New Testament of yours. There was nothing like that. There was no pride. It was... Paul he hated it. He didn't need In fact, that's what he wrote against, all these false teachers and false prophets and all these knuckleheads. What was evident was Jesus Christ and him crucified. The power of the Holy Spirit flowing through the life of the believer. And so we get born again, we have a mission, folks. Church, we have a purpose. Our purpose ultimately is to tell other people about Jesus. I said our ultimate purpose and mission is to tell other people about Jesus. When was the last time you and I actually told somebody else about Jesus? I'm not talking about some Bible thumping, forcing it down somebody's throat and telling them you're stupid and you're ugly and you're going to go to hell if you keep living like that. No, but I'm talking about like what we sang about this morning. I want to take your word, and I want to shine it all around. But first, just help me to live it. And when I am doing well, Lord, help me to not seek a crown. Help me to not think more of myself than I should, but help me to have love for other people. We took the time to talk to somebody, to love somebody, to pray with somebody, to just reassure them life is not as hopeless as they think it might be right now, right? Ultimately, our our goal is to tell other people about Jesus, and it's not just supposed to happen in church settings like this. It's supposed to happen in our everyday life, amen? And, he, and Jesus said, look, you will get power to be able to do that. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to give us power. The word there for power is is dunamis, where we get the word dynamite from. It's supposed to be explosive, but it's also strength. It's explosive in a sense it gives you the courage to actually stand up like Peter did in Acts 2. Remember, Peter cowered down, and Peter denied the Lord three times, and everybody gives Peter a hard time. But God, the Holy Spirit, used Peter on the day of Pentecost, and it said Peter stood up. And a boy preached, a fisherman preached, and as a result of preaching, 3,000 people got saved. So there was an evidence of the Holy Spirit on his life that gave him power to actually stand up in the midst when everybody else was poking and making fun and like, this is nuts. Peter stood up and said, look, it's not like you think this is the Holy Spirit. And he began to read from the book of Joel, the prophet. And he said, this is that that the prophet Joel spoke of. That in the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So this is all God here. This is all the Holy Spirit. This is what the Lord is supposed to be doing right now. And he's doing it right here in our midst. But the disciples had to wait 50 days. They had to wait. They had to tarry. They had to linger. And that's what Jesus was getting at. He said, look, and when that happens, that's how you're going to be able to live for me. That's how you're going to be able to stand up for me. That's how you're going to be able to tell other people about me. That's how you're going to be able to actually love people who don't like you. How, I mean, come on, look at Jesus. He, he was the perfect lover. He didn't hit back. He didn't curse back. Or any of those things. He loved in the face of ridicule, and he said, you're going to need what heaven is about to send, what the Father, what I'm going to send to you, but you gotta, you got to wait, and when that happens, your life will be turned upside down. That's how you will actually be able to love other people. That's how you'll be able to live for me. That's how you'll be able to tell other people about me. That's how you will have the courage to do what you're called to do, but also, we read on in the New Testament, and Paul expounds, and he, and he says, this also happens by the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. There's nine gifts. And every single one of us who are filled with the Holy Spirit, we can have the operation of those nine gifts. Those can be flowing in our life. I did an actual series on that about two years ago, I think, February of 2016. You can go back to our deal on our website and you can go back and listen to those messages if you want. They were really good. It was expansion on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He said those gifts, they're not about making a person look good. In essence, those gifts are about making Jesus look appealing. Those gifts are not to make a person become famous. No, those gifts are to make Jesus famous in their life. Those gifts are there to help strengthen. Those gifts are there to help encourage. Those gifts are there to help bring comfort. Those gifts are there to help connect us and see God where we're not seeing Him. Connect with God where we've had issues of connecting with Him. That's what those gifts are all about. They're gifts. They're there to help other people connect to the Lord. But then there's also another way that Paul expounds on in Galatians 5. And he says there's also the nine fruits of the Spirit that should be popping and alive in our life. Yeah. Love, joy. I talked about this in depth last year. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. They, I mean, there's nine Obviously, we could talk about character stuff today, but that's, that's not the whole goal of this message today. So what, Jesus has this conversation with his disciples in John 15. He says, look, what you've been experiencing with me so far in these last three years, they've been great guys. It's been real good. It's been right on. It's been spot on. It's been perfect for your life. Some kept following. Others left. When they didn't, it got a little heated in the kitchen, they didn't want to stick around. Their commitment was tested, and they saw where they were. He said, but you guys are here, you guys are with me, but I got to tell you, I'm leaving. It's always been from day one for me to come do what I'm doing here, to call you out and change your life, but then I have to leave. I got to vacate the premises. Jesus, might drop, Out. but I'm coming back. He said, I'm not going to leave you alone. He said, it's good. And that's all in this conversation. John 14, 15, 16, 17 is his prayer. And he says, it's all in, he said, it, it, it's good that I go because if I go, then the advocate, the Holy Spirit can actually come. Can actually come. The helper, the counselor, the encourager, the comforter can actually come in your life. And he said, you you need, you need Him. You need the Holy Spirit in your life. You need to learn to depend on me in a different way than you have before. Right now, you see me. Right now, you can touch me. Right now, you can walk up and talk to me, and, and, and it's visual. But he said, that's not going to be the way it's going to be from now on. It's going to take a different look. It's going to be from the inside out. And come on, let's just face it, over the years of Christianity, we focus so much on outside in. Right? We still haven't gotten down to the fact of that where we can really just be genuine with each other as Christians. Now, a few of us we got it going on. The rest of us, we struggle. The church is supposed to be one of the safest places of meeting Jesus and learning about him. And Learning how to connect with Him and follow Him and, 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 and develop a relationship with Him. And that is really what Jesus is about. He's about relationship more than productivity. Because there's been so many people who've come through life, who've come through church, who can flow in all nine of those gifts but don't have one ounce of fruit on their life. Jesus demonstrated you can have all of it. You can have the power, you can have the gifts, and you can have the fruit. The fruit that will remain. The fruit that will be consistent. The fruit that will be solid. Because what good is it if we're able to be eloquent? Paul preached on this in 1 Corinthians 13. Eloquent with our words to others, but have not love. I think the bishop did a good job yesterday for the royal wedding, if you were up early for that, or replayed it on YouTube. Anybody watch it? Don't be ashamed. Don't be scared. <laughs> he preached the gospel. Go back and listen to it on YouTube. My goodness, the man preached the gospel to the most pious crowd in this world. Oh, they had their, what do you call those things? fascinators on, and they were not fascinating by, fascinated by anything. I can't judge because I wasn't there. I didn't get invited. I don't know what happened to that. It must have got lost in the mail. <laughs> but he did. He preached the gospel to the world. The world was, I don't know how many millions were glued in on watching that, but the world was watching, and he preached on, imagine... If we loved. that is was Jesus' message. And because he loved, he was able to demonstrate the power of the kingdom. In a way that drew people to him. In a way that changed people for him. In a way that healed them. In a way that reached deep down inside of their heart. To the longings of their soul. To the ache in the core of their life. He was able to go inside and work from the inside out. And it's what he was telling us. Hey, don't be so glued on the external that you forsake the most important. And that's what happens inside. That's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is called to change us. The Holy Spirit's role is called to transform us. The Holy Spirit's dynamic is to make us and change us and shape us and form us to be more like Jesus. Amen? And so Jesus ends and he said, the most important thing I need to tell you is to remain fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Look at this closing verse, Romans 12. One of Paul's, it's in the message. It's a little bit different. He said, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life. your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. Place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture... That you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you. And then just quickly respond to it. Say yes to Him. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God... This is what he does by the Holy Spirit, brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I, I, I like that because sometimes I need to be reminded I need to grow up. Even at 42 and a half years old, I still needs to grow up. I still got to grow up. I'm doing that on purpose, right? Anybody else still need to grow up in some places in your life? And I'm not talking about nudging your teenager. There's some of us parents. We just need to flat grow up and grow out of some stuff, right? We're immature in a lot of ways. I know I'm 42, and I shouldn't be telling a 70-year-old what to do, but I'm telling you in front of you, I need to grow up, you need to grow up, the church needs to grow up, and the only way we're going to grow up is is by the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. We don't need to shy away from the Holy Spirit. We don't need to shy away from the sights and sounds of heaven called Pentecost. We need to open wide our hearts. We need to set our sails out and allow the breath and the wind of the Holy Spirit to blow fresh in us again. We need to fall in love with Jesus again, church. We need to love him like we first did, however many days and years it was ago, when it didn't matter who was around us, who was looking, who was talking about us, who didn't like us. It didn't matter who it was and what was going on. All that mattered was was Jesus and him crucified and him risen again. And my naive self with green behind my ears just said, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Whatever you got for me, I want to have it. Wherever you want to send me, send me. I'll go. Wherever you want me to do, I'll do. Who you want me to love, I'll love. Whoever you want me to stop talking about, I'll stop talking about. Why? Because I can't help it. I'm in love with Jesus. I need to grow up some more at 42 years old, 26 years of following Jesus. I still need the work and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit flowing in my soul, working in my bones, changing in my thoughts, working in my heart, and helping me to do what he's called me to do. But friend, it won't happen. If we don't stay, remain with him. Remain in him. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Jesus said, I don't want you to abandon your faith. I want you to have peace. You'll have trials. You'll have sorrows. But you need to stay with There's this story about an old tree It was planted by a river. and this tree was friends with a little boy. this little boy would come to the tree every day,'d climb up its trunk, swing in its branches, eat of its fruit, rest in its shade. And the tree and this little boy had a loving friendship, a kinship, and a dependency. One day, the little boy left and went away and didn't come back for many years later. He was an adolescent. He was coming, and the tree saw him and he got happy. He said, Hey, friend, why don't you come climb up the trunk and swing from my branches and eat my fruit and just rest in my shade? And the little boy, adolescent this time, he said, You know, I can't. Uh, I'm pretty busy. I, I don't really play like I used to. I, I, uh, I need money because I need to go buy stuff tree said, I'm sorry, I don't have any money, she goes, but I have fruit. Why don't you pick fruit and carry it to the market and sell it, and you'll get money, and you can buy your happiness. The adolescent was like, dang, that's right on. I'll do that. So he carried as much fruit as he could and went away and was gone for a long period of time. Years went by. Tree was a little lonely. And out in the distance, he saw this figure walking towards and you realize that was that little boy but now he was a young man come to the tree and the tree was happy to see him he said oh it's good to see you want to climb up my trunk and swing in my branches maybe rest under my shade and the and the young man said you know i can't i'm 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 busy i'm i'm gonna get married and have kids and but i need to build a house tree looked at him he said you know i don't really have a house for you but I've got about the the forest is, is my home. Why don't you climb up and cut branches and you can go build your house and make your family and be happy. Well, the young man did just that and off he went and was gone for years again. Tree left alone. Years went by and he saw this figure again coming from the distance and he saw, is that who I think it is? And it was, it was that boy but he's an older man now and he came up to the tree and the tree looked at him and he was say, how oh, have you you come to just rest under my shade now are you here just to maybe climb up on my trunk and stay with me a bit and he said I'd like for you to and the Older man said, "You know, I I can't. I'm I'm all alone now. I don't have anybody. I need to go off into the world and meet new friends, but I don't have a way to get there." Well, the tree looked at the old man and he said, "You know, I I don't. I'm sorry about your unhappiness and your loneliness." He goes, "I I don't really have a way for you to travel, but I guess you could take my trunk and cut it and make a canoe out of it. There's a river. Get in the river and off you go. And you could." meet new friends, and become happy again. Well, The old man did just that, cut the tree down, got into its trunk and carved a canoe and took off. And uh, Years went by, there was all that was left was a tree stump by the river. Lonely this tree stump was, and off in the distance he saw this figure walking real slow, and as he got closer he could see, the tree could see that in the face of this old, old, old man was the Facial expressions of a little boy that he knew many years ago. And the trunk said, I'm, I'm all alone. I don't have anything to offer you if you've come back for something. I can't give you a trunk anymore. I can't give you branches. I don't have any fruit. I don't even have a shade anymore. And the old, old man said, it's okay. I appreciate that. He said, I don't need anything anymore. I've actually just come to find a place where I could sit And rest. The tree stump said, why don't you just climb up on me and stay with me and rest. Just like the rest of the world, I love excitement. I love loud. I love boisterous. But I've discovered I can't live for just that alone. i got to have something that goes a little deeper down into me. That sustains my weariness at times. i got to have something that brings back the, the chaos of my thoughts and moments of life. That when my mind runs crazy. My thoughts don't make a lot of sense. That when I think Maybe I'm alone and there's no one around to comfort me. I need something greater. I need the fellowship of God. And that's what Jesus was telling his disciples. Life will get tough for you. You got a whole lot to live for. And some of it's not going to be that easy. Some of it will be all right. But through it all, what you need is you need to remain in me. If you will remain in me, if you won't leave, if you won't abandon, if you won't unplug and disconnect and think you got to go off and conquer the world and make a name for yourself, chase after 80-hour week jobs, $120,000 a year salaries, and all the other things in your life that you think are that important, but you're not connected to me, then I can't help you. But if you'll stay connected to me, if you will remain in me, if you will abide with me, I guarantee you, through the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, your life will matter. And you will be productive in what I've called you to do. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Father, we give you thanks and give you honored for today. And what this day signifies over the course of history that we read about in your word. Thank you for that. Thank you for what you did in birthing the church. Thank you for pouring out your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for changing life and making it exciting. But also, Lord, thank you for being constant. For being consistent. That when our life is up and down. That when we're in and out. That when we're slow and fast. You, O God, are steadfast. O Lord, I pray that David prayed. May we pray it today. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. There's one thing I know you taught us and you taught your disciples. was that, hey, you want our lives to matter, to be significant, and to be productive. But we don't do it on our own accord. We can't do it by our own merit. We need something deeper. We need something stronger. We need something more powerful, and that is you. That is your spirit alive and breathing on the inside of us. So, Lord, we give you ourselves today, and we say on this day forward, make it new, make it fresh, make it count, and make it last forever. Oh, God, we want what you want. We need what you have to give us. Lord, we're tired of going through life by our own merit and by our own accord. We need the flow and the power of your Spirit. We need the fellowship of the Spirit. So I pray today, may the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen.